Welcome once again to Calvary Baptist Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Yeah? Yeah? This is week four of our series, Love and Game. And we have two more weeks of this, and then we'll be right into our Easter series. Um, it's going to get tougher from here. So I don't know. Each week, this has been really tough for me because there's been things that have been pointed out in the series that I've had to work on and change in my life. And so I hope you're doing the same. I hope you're, you're on the same journey with me. But this is a series for students, for graduates, for singles, for married people, for people who want to stay that way. Um, if you're in a romantic relationship or you want to be or you hope to be or you're trying to figure it out, relationships, this is a series for you. And this series gives me an opportunity to speak about something that breaks our heart collectively as a church community. It breaks our heart when we see people make relationship decisions that undermine their own relationships. It really breaks our heart. You have friends that you've seen do this. You know people that have done this. And it stinks. And, and it breaks your heart when they make relationship decisions that undermine their own relationships. And it's no fun. There's enough unavoidable heartbreak in the world without adding to it with our own decisions. So this week we're talking about dating. Dating. And dating is the process whereby archaeologists or historians place an object or a place in the timeline. Thank you. Carly's the only one that laughed. Okay, if you guys aren't into archaeology jokes, I'm going to have to cross a whole bunch off the list today. <laughs> All right. Um, no, <laughs> dating. Yeah, get it? Dating? Okay. Anyways, we're moving on. So no archaeology. Last week, we ended the message with, verse, um, with a verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we said this, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And I said several times that you are not your spouse's parent. You're not your spouse's parent. You're not supposed to parent the person that you are in a relationship with unless they are your child under the age of 18. Okay? And when they turn, I don't know, right? Now, or unless, they, you know, until they got a job, until they could support themselves, you know? We're to parent, and that parenting relationship changes as they grow, but we're not supposed to parent our spouse. In dating, you're not looking for a parent. You're looking for a partner. In dating, you're not looking for a parent, and you're not looking for somebody to parent. You're looking for a partner. So, this week we're going to grow up in our view of dating Okay, the theme that Paul's talking about is growing up, putting away childish ideas, and we're going to grow up in our view of what dating is. And so we have another myth, myth number three in the series, is this. If I'm single, something is wrong. If I'm single, something is wrong. How many of you have felt that way before? Okay, yeah, and you might be married, you might have, um, how many of you... Okay, I'm going to ask again because only a few people raise your hand because I know. How many of you have felt this from culture? Yeah? Do you feel like culture tells us this, pushes this on us at times? If I'm single, then there's something wrong with me. If I'm single, then something is wrong. In our culture, dating is about finding a missing piece of ourselves, right? You know, the classic Jerry Maguire, you complete me, you know? And it's like this. <laughs> no, no, that's a child, man looking for someone <laughs> to fill the gap that he doesn't have as a whole human being. 
as if we can't possibly be whole or okay unless we're in a relationship. And I call this the relationship idol. We've talked about this before, the relationship idol, okay? The relationship idol. Uh, We have this in our culture. And movies, books, TVs, they all have these very similar themes. Uh, You know, you have a young adult who says, I'm not okay because I don't have a girlfriend. And so then the story is about him becoming okay and coming of age so that a girl like dates him. And then the, he gets the girl and the movie ends. And then it's just assumed that now he's okay. Or it's vice versa. There's a girl that's not okay because she doesn't have a boyfriend. But then, you know, she gets the makeover and she walks down the stairs and they, they play the Sixpence song, you know. <laughs> Casey just sings, and she's walking down and the guy's like, oh my gosh, and then everything's okay, you know. No, that, that's, that's, that's not how it really works. Or if you're older, you know, it says, I'm not okay because I don't have a serious relationship. You know, I'm not okay because I'm not in a serious relationship. And this isn't a Christian teaching. This is not a Christian teaching. This isn't Jesus' teaching. This isn't how the early church disciples lived and believed in relationships. And what the Bible says about dating is actually shocking. And you're probably not going to like it. What the Bible says about relationships is, is pretty shocking. In fact, let's look at that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, this is Paul writing to a church in Corinth, the city called Corinth, and he writes them these instructions to help them out in lots of different things. They were dysfunctional in a lot of ways, and this is some advice on relationships. And he says, now, as a concession, not a command. And what he's saying is, I'm, I'm giving this because... I, You know, this isn't what I want everybody to do, but this is something that I will allow you to do because I understand the situation you're in. He says, now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am. This is Paul. I wish everybody could be like me. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Paul says, you know what? I wish everybody could be single like me. But, you know, everybody, do what God has called you to do. I wish everybody could be single like me. Wow. Paul talks about, in verses 1-5, through he talks about how a husband and wife should have a healthy view of sex. In verse 6, he says, don't assume everybody should be married. This is a concession. In verse 7, he says, I wish you all could be single. It is, verse 8, he says, it's good to be single. So if you're single today, and you're not in a relationship, if you're not married, you are good. You're good. You are acceptable in God's sight just the way you are. You do not need a spouse. Now, you might have stuff you have to work on. You probably have your own brokenness and your own things and your own issues. But one of those is not singleness. Singleness, not being in a relationship, is not a sign that God's mad at you or you haven't got it figured out yet. That's not biblical. Singleness is just you're in a season of life. And it's okay. And you could follow Christ single, You could be completely whole, single, and you could be accepted here at Calvary Baptist Church as a single person. So, I, uh, to make up for some of the jokes that I've made about, I do make jokes about being single um, in church sometimes, and one of the people that I I rag on the most is my buddy Joe, 
So Joe, I have a special treat for you today. On behalf of the singles of the church, I'm going to invite Joe Efrady, my buddy, um, to come on up and help us deal with the, re- the relationship idol once and for all. Come on up, Joe. Everybody welcome Joe. Come on, clap for Joe. This is the relationship idol. Joe is single, and he's not looking to mingle. <laughs> he might be. He might be, but you know what? That's his decision. It's totally up to him. And I have um, this. Uh, Mark Harris helped me make this years ago in youth group um, where I smashed uh, watermelons as an illustration that the people you hang out with is a big deal, and they could explode at any moment. So, Joe, I'm going to hand you the hammer of doom. And what I'm going to do is we're going to put a bag over their head, you know, as you do. Uh, <laughs> I don't want shrapnel to get on anybody, so watch your eyes here. I'm afraid somebody might die from this. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. This may not even break. We're going to put it on its side like this, you think? Or like this? Like this? Okay. We're going to put it on its side. I have another bag. Should I put one more bag around it? Just in case, you know. Ah, safety first. I would have never done this stuff as a youth pastor. <laughs> Just let it shrapnel get in everybody's eyes. But I've learned. So if you'll swing it towards that way, that way if the head comes off. Does anybody got... Wait, wait, let me get my phone. I got I to gotta video this because... Yes. So, Joe, do you have any, any words about the relationship idol? Nope. You just <laughs> All right, Joe, whenever you're ready, go for it. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! Okay. Um, so, hold on. <laughs> Joe, I'm giving this to you. If you are a single person, I'm going to leave this up here, and you are welcome to come and take a piece of it. There's some legs. There's some heads. Um, (laughs) There's another leg if anybody wants it. Thank you very much, Joe. That was awesome. You did a fantastic job. Woo! Um, So here's the thing. I'm going to turn this off now. As, As a church, where broken people find hope, if somebody's single, you don't need to try to hook them up with somebody. You don't need to feel bad for them. You don't, oh, I'm so sorry nobody loves you. Okay? <laughs> we don't need to put any of that garbage on them, any of that shame. Because Paul is clear in the Scripture. Singleness is great. There's nothing wrong with being single. You're not defective. You're not broken. You're good. You're not damaged goods. You're a whole human. You're as valuable as any married husband, wife, mother, or father. And you're not missing a piece of yourself because you are single. He continues on in verse number nine. And here's here's where we get into dating advice, right? If they cannot exercise self-control, if the single person cannot exercise self-control, and what is he talking about? Well, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. And what he's talking about here is if you cannot exercise self-control in the area of sex, and you just have to have sex, then Paul says, well, I guess go ahead and get married. That's what the Bible says. That doesn't, and some of you are like, well, that's not romantic at all, Pastor Ron. <laughs> like, what is this? This is like the worst, and that's why they don't make movies about this. Okay? <laughs> this is why they don't have movies where this is the whole theme, you know? Like, they don't, they don't do that. This is Paul writing to us, though. He's instructing the church 
And I'm not trying to take away um, romance in your relationship. I think romance is fantastic. It's great. Romance is good. It's good to be in a loving, romantic relationship. It's good to have sex in marriage. God created it. It's wonderful. It's awesome. But it's not everything. It's not everything. And you're not missing out as a human being if you don't have that. Much of our culture's dysfunction is because we, we have believed as a culture that unless we're getting the kind of sex that we want, then we're not okay and our relationship is not okay and our relationship is broken. And that's just not Bible. That's not the teaching of Jesus at all. It's not. Relationships are much more than that. And he has more advice for singles in verse 17. He says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him or to her and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Lead the life that God has assigned and called you to. And that's what we are all supposed to do, whether we're married or single. We're all supposed to lead the life that God has called us to because our life is not about selfish fulfillment. It's about following Christ. It's about learning to be disciples of Jesus and to do what he has called us to do where we are at in the place we are, we are placed. Lead the life the Lord has assigned to which God has called you. So what about dating advice? What about dating advice, Pastor Ron? This doesn't seem like very good dating advice. And he goes on. This is the closest thing I think we get to dating advice in the Bible. He says, now concerning the betrothed, I have no commandment from the Lord. <laughs> betrothed means arranged marriages. There's no, no information about dating in the Bible because there were no dating relationships. It was betrothal. So mom and dad and the community would decide, well, you know what? These two people are wrestling nuts, okay? They both like video games, and they're a little weird. So this is a good match, right? <laughs> and that's what the community would do. And they'd say, well, okay, well, I'll take two cows and a donkey, and you know, you get, you get this and you get that, and this will be good for our business. This will be good. There were lots and lots of other reasons why a couple would get married. And why a couple would be brought together. And there was communal input on that. It doesn't mean that it was a great, perfect system. There were lots of things that went bad. It was an honor-shame system. And it was not good for women. It was terrible for women. It was. But they didn't date like we date nowadays. It was betrothal. And Paul says, you know, concerning this whole betrothal thing, I don't have any special information from God. All I have is advice. Just Paul's wisdom and his advice. And his advice is, stick with what you have. If you're single, then stay single. If you're, you're married, then get married. And if you, want to, if you have to get married because of the lust thing, then go ahead and do that. That's fine. He says, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. And then he continues on. Verse 27. Are you bound to a wife? Don't seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Don't seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. Okay, that's good. Sometimes, sometimes I wonder. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you do marry, you have not sinned. If you, um, and if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. 
How many of you are married and have worldly troubles? <laughs> My wife, put your hand down, Lee. <laughs> yeah, right? Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! Marriage doesn't solve all your problems. It doesn't. It just makes more a lot of times. Marriage isn't sin. Marriage makes it harder, not easier. It makes it harder, not easier. In verse 32, he has wor- words for singles. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. If you are not married, then you are completely free between you and God to say, God, what do you want me to do today? You don't have to worry about what your kids are doing or what your kids need or what your wife is doing or what she needs or what your husband's doing and what they need. And that's what Paul is saying. If you are single, then you can serve. In fact, in our church, we have some singles that serve, and they are some of the most generous, hardworking, loyal, reliable volunteer staff that we have because they're here. This is their thing. They, they serve God, and they don't have these other things that come up. He says, but the married man is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. The married man or woman is divided. Marriage does not make you closer to God. It can. If you'll surrender to the Holy Spirit in that, there will be lots and lots of pressure cooking stuff going on that could draw you closer to God. I, I often say in marriage, you're either going to quit, die, or grow up. Those are, your, those are your three options. And you are going to grow up. It's going to force you to grow up. But marriage doesn't make you closer to God. Marriage isn't a sign of God's favor. That's why you shouldn't go jumping into a relationship just so you could check a box. That's insanity. Don't do that. We love you. We don't, want, we don't wish that upon you as a church. Singleness doesn't mean that God hates you. Singleness is a gift. And you could devote yourself wholly to God and your community to do what is good. In verse 35, he sums it up. Paul says, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay a restraint upon you, So he's saying, this is good advice, this is wisdom, this isn't shackles, this isn't something you have to do or can't do, this is wisdom. He says this, but to promote good order and secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. He says, but even if this advice, even this advice is take it or leave it, even this advice is about betrothal too. He's talking specifically about betrothal, he's not talking about dating. He's talking about arranged marriages, and it assumes there's a community of people helping to make the decision, because dating didn't exist. So, why then as Christians do we have all these books and conferences about dating? Where does that come from? It comes from two places. Number one, a lot of times it's pop psychology or it's good psychology that's read between the lines of Scripture. So we take good psychology that we know works in relationships like, like Dr. John Gottman and the, the Love Lab and things like that or you know the, the five love languages, Dr. Gary Chapman. That's not in the scripture. But it's, it's principles that they take reading between the lines and they apply these things They teach us about relationships. That's nice. Number two, and this happens a lot in conferences and stuff, even in the series, 
We take stuff that the Bible says about relationships in general, like just relationships between people in the church, and then we apply that specifically to a romantic relationship. And that's okay. But all the stuff that we've talked about so far in 1 Corinthians 13, guess what? That's not just for your husband or your wife. That's for everybody. That's all our relationships. We're supposed to love one another as Christ loved us, not just if we're married, but because we're the church and because we're disciples of Christ. And that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. And then it's packaged and it's marketed to us as this will fix your life. Because, again, in the myth is that if you had the perfect relationship, you'd have the perfect life. And that's just not how it works out. It doesn't. So what do I do about dating, Pastor Ron? Well, I I don't have a a scripture to give you. I really don't. I mean, I would say smash the idol, you know, and follow Christ. But, but, as Paul did the same thing, he established this kind of precedence with the Corinthian church. He said, I want to give you just my best advice that I can give. I want to do that for you today. My wife and I have been married 15 years. I think we have a good relationship. I think it's a, a pretty solid relationship. Um, it's not a fairy tale relationship. It's a real relationship. So I want to share with you guys some advice on dating. Dating advice. This isn't from the Bible. This is just Ron's advice on dating. Okay? So I'm going to share with you like three things, and then um, we'll wrap up for today. If you are single and looking to mingle, and you need to be in a relationship, um, there's my dating advice. Number one, date friends, not flames. Date friends, not flames. Friends, not flames. Because flames go out, but friendship is magic. Where's my My Little Pony fans? No? Okay. Thank you, Cam. Thank you. (laughs) Bronies for life. Um, (laughs) Flames go out, but friendship is magic. Friendship is magic. Let me show you guys a pie chart that will give you some idea of what marriage is like. Okay? Here is a pie chart. Um, and guys, I hate to break this to you, but the majority of your life spent in marriage is going to be spent doing work and normal stuff. Then you're going to have a little bit of sex in marriage and, ladies, guys, a little bit of amazing things. Am I right? Married folks, does this look about accurate to you? Yes? Clap if this looks accurate. Okay. <laughs> What, you guys are clapping? But you're the cool couple. Like, <laughs> right? You're going to have the, some of the amazing things. And here's the thing. When you're dating, this pie chart is way different because there's like way more amazing things. Almost every time you get out, there's like amazing things. You're like going out. What do you want to do? And so we're like planning things and like experiencing new stuff and adventures together to get to know each other. But then when you get married, you have work. you got a job, and you're tired. You have to clean the house, and you have to clean up after those small people that live with you. And you've got all this other stuff and stress, and you're tired. And sometimes you just want to sit on the couch and watch YouTube while they play Xbox. And <laughs> if you're not okay doing nothing with this person, don't date them. If just being in the same, yesterday was a perfect day. My wife sat in her chair and played Fortnite with the kids. She yelled at them a lot. It was hilarious. 
I sat in my chair with my headphones in and watched some random show on Netflix. And it doesn't get much, it's amazing. I just love sitting next to Lee. And if you've been around us, you know Lee's personal space is my favorite place. So I just love to snuggle and be next and close to my wife. And that is enough. We don't have to go bowling. We don't have to experience some great adventure or do, we just have to be together. And that is perfect. And that's good. That is good. This is a regular pie chart. Do you want to work with this person? You know, if you, uh, several weeks ago, like the, the basement backed up and we had to clean up like flooding and stuff. Guess what? Is the person you're dating someone you would want to clean up like flooded nasty basement with? If not, get rid of them. <laughs> okay? Is it someone you want to work with? Like actually paint a room? Or is it someone that you can do like, you're going to have to do way more of that kind of stuff than the fun, amazing stuff. So if you can't work with them, eh, that's not, probably not good. Do you enjoy their company doing normal, boring stuff? If no, then don't date them. Don't date them. Here's how I knew, guys. Um, here's how I knew that it was time to ask Lee to marry me. We'd been dating off and on for like three years, okay? We had our ups and downs, and when you're dating, you can break up. You can quit. I, I recommend it. Because <laughs> once you're married, there's no quitting. There's no getting out. So we, were, we dated off and on, and I got to a place. I'm driving. I think I was working at Big Lots at the time, selling furniture. And I just thought to myself, I'm excited to go see Lee, because she worked there too. And it just dawned on me, everything I want to do, whether it's to go watch a movie with my friends or play video games or hang out at church and work on something or work in youth group, everything I like to do is better with Lee. And I like just having her along. There was never a time where I was like, well, these are my friends and I don't really want you to come along. No, that did not exist. I wanted her in every place. She didn't want to be in every place with me, but, you know, <laughs> it just, it was like, okay, I want her there with me all the time. She is my companion. So why not make that official? Why not make that official? Because when the flame starts to wane, you know, and you're getting older and you change, if you don't like each other, you don't like each other's company, you're not going to have much. You're not going to have much at all. Rule number two. Okay? Rule number one, date friends, not flames. Rule number two, date people going the same direction. Lee and I both wanted to serve God in ministry. We were both working here in youth group, serving God in youth ministry. We both wanted the same things. We both wanted to honor God with our lives. And so we were going in the same direction. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. What are they doing? What is this person that you're thinking about dating doing? What is their action, not their words of, what? oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. What do they actually do? Date people going the same direction. If they don't have any direction at all, and you're like, well, I don't know what their direction is. Run. Okay, because you're dating a man-child or, or a woman-child. They don't have any direction. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's harsh. Yeah, but it's true. If you, if you have to push them or drag them, you will be pushing and dragging the whole 
relationship. You want to find somebody that's going in the direction and you say, yeah, that's the direction I want to go too. And you can go there together. Where do you like to serve? Think about this. If you're thinking about who would be good to date, think where do you like to serve? And you're like, well, I don't like to serve anywhere. Then you shouldn't be dating anybody, okay? Because you're just going to be a horrible person in a relationship. Because a relationship's all about serving. Yep. Serve, serve, serve. No, you first. No, you first. No, you first. No, you first. First Corinthians 13, Romans chapter 12. So if you're not interested in serving, then you shouldn't get into a relationship. Where do you like to serve? Date somebody who likes serving with you. Do you love generosity? Date someone who loves to be generous in, in the same way or in the same direction. Do you want a family? Date somebody who wants family. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. Dating people go the same, going the same direction. And as a church, just to put this out there, we do not, ladies specifically, but guys too, we do not need missionary daters. Okay? <laughs> we don't need missionary daters. We don't need you to find some guy who's just a rotten scumbag and say, well, if he likes you, then you invite him to church, and then he'll come to church and like follow Jesus. No, just let him be a rotten scumbag on his own. Um, get one of the other guys in the youth group to invite him to church. But don't, don't hitch yourself to someone else because you feel obligated to tell them about Christ. Share Christ with them, sure. But don't date them. Don't date them. You don't need missionary daters because then you're going to be carrying the whole spiritual relationship. You'll be pushing them the whole relationship. So, number three, can they grow? Can they grow? About every five years, you're going to be a different person. You're going to change. Hopefully, you're not the same at 25 as you were at 19 or 18. Hopefully, you're not the same at 35 as you were at 25. And hopefully, you're not the same at 55 as you were at 35. You're a different person. So is the person, date them long enough to see if they grow. And I'm not talking about do they grow in the areas that you want them to change, right? Because we all have that where we're like, I want you to change this. And they're, well, they're not growing in that area. They're not obeying me. That's parenting. Do they grow in the area that they want to change, that they have identified and said, you know what? I feel like God's telling me I need to work on this in my life. And they say, okay, that's awesome. What are you going to do about it? You know, and then Watch. Do they actually do something about it? Have they taken steps? I'm not saying they've got to be amazing or perfect, or, but do they grow? Have they grown in their ability to read the Scripture or to pray or to love others or to be generous or to be kind? Do you see a marked difference in them? I can remember when I was, when I was 18, I was a real jerk and I, I made all kinds of jokes about people and I thought it was funny, but it was just mean. And I remember, I remember through different different decisions and conversations, people talking to me and trying to get it through my head, this is not good. And I remember a moment when I changed and I, I apologized. I'm sorry for what I said to you. And I tried to stop being that way. Do you see those kind of moments? And people will tell you, like they knew me back then. They'll say, I remember, yeah, you did this. And they'll even say, you know, you said something unkind the other day and I knew you would text me later and apologize because you've changed. So, do they change? Can they grow? Can they grow or change? Not your agenda, but theirs. And God's agenda. What they said they need to work on. Do they demonstrate the capacity to work on it and make progress? If not, 
then I, I, don't, I don't know if I would date them. And then can they let you grow? Can they let you grow? Are they able to let you grow? If you're going to date, um, then they should let you grow too. Because as you grow and change, it's going to make things uncomfortable for them. Those of us in marriage know this. If you try to change and you grow up, you know, if you put on your big boy pants and start to take um, responsibility for yourself and who you are and the things you should do, it's going to make everybody else in the family uncomfortable. If you take responsibility for yourself as a, as a, as a woman and you decide you're going to make changes and you're going to take care of yourself or you're going to do things, it's going to make it uncomfortable for everyone else because we've all gotten used to how things are. And now you want to do this other thing. you got this big idea in your head. You know? Can they let you grow? Do they support that and say, you know what, I see you're trying to make a change. That's awesome. And I want to do what I can to help, but I understand this is yours and it's going to be uncomfortable. And if I, if I get upset, give me grace in that, just point it out and I'll try, to, I'll try to make sure that there's space for you to grow and you to change to follow Christ. These are important. These are the, the big pieces for me. Because if you have these things, then I think you're going to be okay. I think you can continue to grow. Because you're going to change. You're going to change. So, that's my dating advice for you guys. Um, here's the questions for this week. Here are the questions for this week. And then we'll close. These are great discussion questions. You might want to write this down. We'll put this on our, on our Facebook page. You could talk about it this week. If you have a single person in your life, maybe they want to talk about it, maybe they don't. Don't push that, force this on them. Um, so here's a question. Do I have self-control in the area of sex? If I do, and I'm not really worried about it, then maybe dating isn't the area I need to focus on. Maybe as a single person, you don't need to worry about dating. You just need to worry about what does Jesus want me to do next in my life? Okay, and you probably have way more growth and opportunity there than trying to find somebody uh, out there. Number two, is there a friend I can trust that I really enjoy their company? Okay, these are great questions to try to find someone today. Is there a friend that I could trust that I really enjoy their company? Are they going in the same direction? And do they grow? And do they let me grow? And if you find a person and if you have like an image of a person in your head and you're like, oh, okay, um, there's this, this guy I could trust that I really enjoy their company and they're going in the same direction and I know, I've seen them grow and I know they can let me grow and then ding, 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 that's probably who you should be dating. Or guys, you know, there's this girl and you know, you could trust her. Yeah, I could talk to her about anything and she loves God and we're going in the same direction and man, I, we both grow. Ding, 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 maybe that's who you should. Yeah, but she's a friend. The best wives are found in the friend zone. I'm telling you, man, <laughs> the best relationships are found in that, in that friend place. So, um, let me pray for us today. And uh, as a church, before I pray, let's remember to encourage singles. Give them space. Make them feel welcome here at Calvary. We don't want to, we don't want to perpetuate culture's views of what it means to be in a relationship. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this day. God, we understand that you don't say a lot about dating. But God, I pray that we would be able to share wisdom. 
that we would understand that what's really important is our relationship with you. And if you have called us to a life and in a relationship and marriage and in a home, that we would just thank you and praise you and honor you for that. And if you've called us to a life of singleness and you've put us in this place, that we would not be anxious about that, that we would trust you, that you know what you're doing, that you want to grow us, that we would take full advantage of that, that season, that moment, or that whole life that you have given us to focus solely on you, to grow up in our faith, to grow up in our love. God, help us to be grown-ups about this. Help us to be mature. Help us to be thought leaders in our community when it comes to relationships. It's good to, to enjoy romance and stories. and Those are amazing and they're fun. But God, help us to be grounded in our view of what relationships are and encourage each other and remember that all the good things that you say about love and relationships are for the church. They're for us to love each other to be friends, to extend the same kind of love that you gave to us, to each other, and we could be completely fulfilled in that. I thank you and I praise you for the singles in this church who serve you passionately, selflessly, who give up their time and energy week after week. And we just affirm them and we thank you for them. We thank you that as a church we can honor them, be with us as we date, help us to be wise and help us to encourage each other to make good dating decisions. In Jesus' name, amen.